We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. Turn to Daniel chapter 1 real fast, if you don't mind. Let me tell you what I feel like the Lord is doing. Chapter 1, verse 1. You could do it in whatever version, too. It doesn't even have to be King James, but that's fine. Here's Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Now watch this. He took it over. Babylon took over the, the, the Judah. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So now, the Judah, God's people, were underneath the pressure of a system that they didn't create, but they found themselves subject to bondage. Okay? And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand with, look at this, with part of the vessels of the house of God. Some of the instruments and the elements that were in God's house, vessels, get that? Anybody know what vessels mean in the scripture? Vessels are people. You're a vessel of honor, an earthen vessel. Which part, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. They were misplaced and used for another reason instead of the intended use that God had for them. Take an eight-year-old boy. Take a 14 or 16, 17-year-old young lady. Take if what the enemy would love to have would have your kids or you and your children and your grandchildren brought into a system that they could begin to worship and learn and be abused and perverted. It's very subtle. Watch how this works. And he brought the vessels in and the king spake into Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and and of the king's seed and of the princess the children in whom there was no blemish, they were well favored, skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and as such had the ability in them to stay in the king's palace. What did he do? He, 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 he took over Judah. He starts looking and surveying all the vessels and the people. He looks at the kids. He's looking at the adults. And he says this, I know what I'm gonna do. I have got to bring them in Babylon, and I've got to teach them our ways. Let me get the smart ones. Let me get the ones of science. Let me get the ones of understanding. Let me get the ones of wisdom. Let me get the ones that have promise and are highly favored. Let me bring them, let me take those people and bring them in my system. And if I can teach them my system, I can desensitize them from where they came from. They'll turn their back on God and their, their God, and they'll start worshiping my God. So he brings them in Babylon, and he begins to teach them his ways. Watch this. And whom they may teach, and as has ability to have them stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach, look at this, the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. I'm gonna teach them how to think our way and how to speak our way. Do you not think right now, over the last decade, There has been a battle, or two decades, there has been a battle that the church kind of speaks like the world, and the kids are vacillating back and forth, they don't know what's right and what's wrong. There's no absolute truths. They're trying to figure it out. We've got this starstruck uh, Hollywood, and if you don't think it's, 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 it's prophetic, 
why is it that Hollywood has so much say-so in our politics? It's got a voice, right? They're trying to speak into it. I'm not saying it's all bad. There's some good ones out there too. I'm just saying that they're trying to influence. The battle in this country right now is the influence of your mind and how you think. So if it's trying to influence you as adults and it's so easy to do because you get, we can get caught up in all of that, how do you think the kids are feeling? And we used to think it was just a public school, private school, we used to think it's all that. And I've got my own take on that too, but I will tell you this, it starts at the house. Do your kids, do my kids, do our kids, do we believe that God can do anything and all things are possible through him? Or does the math have to match up? Do we weigh out the facts and then the best options we take? Or where do we consider him? Is human reasoning the rule of the day? What makes sense or makes us feel good? Is that the rule of the day? I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like going to school. Get your butt up, you're going to school if you don't feel like it or not. I don't feel like going to practice. I don't feel like going to work, but I'm going. Get up. Where are the disciplines? I'm not talking about the corrections and whipping kids and all that stuff. That's a whole other story. I'm talking about where are the where are the absolutes in our life? If you don't know it or not, there is a battle raging for not only this generation, the next two. Can I tell you why? Because the, the Babylonian king, which is the enemy of your soul, is working overtime that you don't leave an inheritance for your children's children. He's trying to steal your inheritance, your kid's inheritance, and your kid's kid's inheritance. And here's how he does it. This is his rule. This is how he works. If I can get them in and teach them my way of learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Next verse, watch this. And the king appointed them, a, look at this, a daily provision of the king's meat. I'm not talking about just his steak and cheeseburgers. His meat. Meat is for food for the soul. Most kids get milk. He's given them meat. I used to think when I talked to kids a lot, especially on our football team down there, a lot of our kids have been grown up in church. We've been fortunate. Some of them have not. And you can see the difference. But what I do like to know is, do the kids even have an idea who God is? Do they even know what he's capable of doing? The king appointed them a daily provision of meat. It wasn't just the meat, it was the king's meat. They ate what he ate. And of the wine he drank, it was his stuff. His, it was the way he thought, the way the Babylonian king ate and, and digested himself, his, his belief system, his thought processes, his language, how he's handled situations, how he saw architecture, how he saw education, how he saw sports and entertainment, how he saw science, how he saw family and health, how he saw those things. Every day, those kids were coming in and getting daily portions of how he thought. It's happening to you and I every day. 
All you gotta do is turn on the television and whether you realize it or not, you're getting a daily portion. Your kids are getting daily portions of the world system to get you to think like they think and to see how they say and how to speak like they speak. Why, are, why is that happening? It's because they know, he knows. He only has a time, short time. And if we ever get a hold of who we really are and we ever get in a position of authority and not always under the position of trying to pursue, but we're being pursued, if we ever understand that we have the God of the universe, if we would ever believe who we say we should be believing, and we walked out into a place of faith and stepped out into a place of taking our rightful place in this earth, he knows everything would change. Now watch this. Nourishing them three years, he just see what he said, give me three years. I can turn them over in three years. I can develop them like I want them to develop in three years. And thereof they might stand before the king. Now watch this, next verse. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And to whom the prince of the sun eunuchs gave names, for he gave Daniel the name of uh, Belteshazzar and Hananiah, Shadrach, and of course Meshach and Abednego. Look what happens here. Daniel. But Daniel proposed, or purposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the, of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse like, liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king? Then Daniel said to him, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, next verse says, prove thy servant, I beseech thee 10 days, and let them give us pulse, pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon. Here's what he said. He said, listen, Daniel comes to him and he said, this whole, this whole mandate came out through the entire nation. And, the, and Nebuchadnezzar pulls all the smart ones together. He comes, the ones that are gonna make a difference, the ones that have, can make impact. He brings them in together and he says, I need them to eat what I eat, drink what I drink. We're gonna change them. I'll give me three years. He said, give me three years with them and I promise you I'll have this kingdom so full if, if I could take three years to spoil who they are, they'll never know what's happening to them. They'll become desensitized to their God and they'll start worshiping our God. Just give me three years. Daily provisions and daily portions of meat and drink. Let me just get it into them. Let me just keep pounding it in their head. Every day, every day for three years, and it'll change. Daniel, on the other hand, was one of the God's people. Daniel comes up and he says, whoa, I'm not eating that. I'm not, I'm not putting that in me. You're not gonna change my mind. I know who I am, I'm not gonna let that enter into me and defile me. So he goes to the prince of the eunuch and he says, listen, just, I found favor with you, don't, don't make me eat that. And the, king said, the, the prince of the eunuchs looks at him and says, here's the problem. If you don't eat that for the next 10 days, the kids that are eating that stuff are gonna show a countenance change. They're gonna look strong in their body and in their mind. And you're gonna look like some people that are starving to death. And I can't have the difference in the look. Daniel looks at him and says, listen, You'll see what happens. Me not eating your stuff 
is not going to hurt us, you won't see a difference. Daniel said, if God is true, he will look over us and nourish us and sustain us even when we're not eating your junk. 10 days go by and you'll find out what happens. 10 days go by, their countenance was better than the others. Couldn't figure out why they wouldn't, dying, starving, frustrated, angry, you know, malnutrition, none of that. No, there was something that was rising up. And here's where I'm getting at. There was something that was rising up right in the middle of the both groups. You had the world system, which is Babylon. You had people growing up, you had a group growing up that were being trained and transformed intentionally by the enemy of their soul. He was, he was pulling the wool over their eye. He was just subtly putting stuff into their mind, desensitizing them, making them more like the world, more like the world, more like the world. And he said, if I could do it for three years, I got him. But right in the middle of all of that was happening, there was a group of people like Daniel that said, uh-uh, I'm not bowing. I'm not eating that because I know my God. He reflected on what God had done in his life. He remembered who God was. And he said to the king and he said to the eunuch and he said to everybody else, I am not selling my soul to the world system when I know who God really is. I know it will make me more popular. In fact, I've got so much favor with you prince of the eunuchs, I could probably lead all the kids that are eating all the meat but I'm not willing to compromise who I am. I'm not willing to compromise what I'm about because what I'm sensing, this is what Daniel said, and it goes on to say in the next three chapters, what I'm sensing, there's coming something to the land that's gonna turn this world upside down. And while you're desensitizing all these people to the world ways, I've gotta rise up, raise up a bunch of people that can steward when Judah comes back into power when Israel comes back into power, when the God of this universe gets right back into power, it's going to change the way things go. And if we have everybody that gets the power, only has the power and does it by the world, we'll have nothing but magic, soothsayers, we'll have nothing but witchcraft, rebellion, that's all we'll have. But I gotta have somebody, Daniel said, that will not bow, will not bend, will not eat the things of this world, because I'm anticipating a shift in power that will come in the days ahead because you will not always have the power that you have. Now what I'm telling you is this, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you that there is a shift and a transition. The tables are turning financially, economically, spiritually, governmentally, Family, it's, it's shifting. It's shifting as fast as I can even say it. There has been a generation and we have fallen prey to it. Some of us are us. We've fallen prey to it. We've desensitized ourselves and become a lot like the world. Not even meaning to come become like the world. We've just been beaten half to death with information, situations, and then when we get our backs against the wall and life hits us hard, we're trying to figure out God, what are you doing? Do I have enough faith? And, do I, and, and then, then 2008 happens and the, the, the thing tanks and we lose our confidence. We lose our health. We lose our families. We lose our breath. We lose our want to or get up and go. We lose all of that because we just got knocked off balance because we lost some stuff that we probably shouldn't have lost. We took some shots that we didn't have to take. But I'm telling you, 
because it happened, because of the way the government was working and the way that the economy was making and things were happening, and the thing, you didn't cause it, but it was there. Am I telling anybody the truth? And you were affected by it. I was affected by it. We were affected by it. So if you were affected by it on the down, I promise you, you're going to be affected by it on its up. The question is, will you be subject to the fall in the last eight years? Will you be subject to the rise in the next seven? And if $4 trillion is transferring from one generation to the next, I want you and me and us to be put in a position to steward a generation and a generation's generation that they don't have to eat the meat and drink the wine of the world system. Your prayers of desperation are gonna go from prayers of desperation to prayers of direction. Will you pray when you have $1,000 what to do with it? As desperate or directional, as desperate as you pray that you need $1,000? Will you, will God, can God be your business partner? Can God be in the middle of your family? Can he be involved in your child's education decisions? Can he be involved in your health? The children of Israel came out of Egypt and an entire generation died in the wilderness for one reason, for their unbelief. One reason. And I'm gonna confess to you over the last several decades, or years, not decades, but last seven or eight years, I've had a hard time believing too when I see all the losses that we've had. People bankrupt that shouldn't be bankrupt, have never been bankrupt before. People that lost everything they shouldn't have lost. People that died I thought they shouldn't have died. People that got divorces that I thought, God, I, I thought they were solid. I went, all of this stuff, and you start getting disillusioned. God should have healed that person, but they didn't get healed. And there's, am I the only one that goes through this? I've questioned and I've gone, God, what are you doing? And if you're not careful, you can relegate your faith down to what makes sense or what you can explain or what you can live with. Pendulum is swinging way on this side because God's raising up a people that believe him. It's not rocket science. It's not physics. It's beyond all of that. It's so basic, it'll blow your mind. Do you believe him? Pull up 1 John, I think it is verse, chapter five, and it might be verse one. Verse 10, verse 10, sorry. Look at this. This is John. He says, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. 
He that, not, that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Now we think that's talking about we just don't believe the cross. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, do you believe the benefits of the cross? Do you believe through that cross all the inheritance that goes to God's people? Is this making any sense? This is so critical, I'm telling you, because this will affect your nine to five, your 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. What is going to happen in the world is not, you can't stop the change. You can't stop the transfer. You can't stop the cultural shift. You can't, it's, you, don't, you, don't, you can't, but you can recognize and discern the times that we're living in and know what you should do. I'm excited. I really am. Because for the first time, and the people that I've been talking to, for the first time, I think the church is becoming extremely intentional. It used to be the goal was to, God, we'd get a building, get a bunch of people, and man, we'd just have good services. Well, I learned that while people are having good services, people's lives are still falling apart. So, but we wanna have good services. But we couldn't explain the losses. So we've been being to preach God that he was a God that would run, let no suffering happen. If you're suffering, it's not God's will. That's bull. It's bull. You'll suffer. It won't be easy. It'll be tough. Listen, I'd love to be able to sit here and paint you a you know, a bed of roses and say, hey, look, this is a road color glad put it's gonna be no, it's gonna be difficult. Now, what most people in our country have done, they just subscribe to a group that's already got something going. Let me, let me give you an example. It's easier for us to adopt another program that's already working that's a little bit further advanced than ours that makes us feel good. But anything that doesn't require you to have individual responsibility of hearing God for yourself and following after what God says is not what you need. Right? The Spirit will lead you into a place where you have to hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, you have to have a choice at that point. What are you gonna do with what you heard? You need to move forward. This is like State of the Union address. I'm not joking. I am serious today as I've ever been because you, we just can't live behind the cloak Amen. of religion and act like something big's happening right. while people's lives fall apart. It's like a holy irritation that's going on inside of me, a righteous indignation. It's time to get in. It's time to move forward. And I heard somebody say the other night, I was telling somebody about this, this big wealth transfer that's happened. They go, oh yeah, that's what the church always cares about is money. It has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with influence and responsibility and power. We've got to go from debt, right, to wealth. And if you stop at wealth, you missed it. It's got to go from wealth to power. 
You go from poverty to wealth to wealth to power. If you stop at any of the zones along the way, you miss the boat. Wealth is only for influence. And I read a scripture the other night to a group of people. The poor man in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the, the city was under refuge. A poor man was in the city, but he was very well, wise. So they went to him and said, hey, what do we do? And the wise man comes, but he was poor. And he spoke and he told them how to get refuge from the, in the city. So they got refuge in the city. But the problem was they didn't heed to his word long-term because he was poor. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, wisdom is great over strength, but nobody hears a poor man. You lose your influence. I'd love to come in here this morning and have the choir and the band get up here and let's just sing one, just throw down song that we can all just shout and run, and we'll do that at times. But what I'm feeling right now is just a sense of urgency for your life and my life and this church and the church world and the city of Huntington and this state and this nation because it stands at the crossroads. And if you think I'm not joking, I'm telling you by the spirit of the Lord, that picture in Daniel, there is a desensitizing that has been coming all the way from the, the, from, 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 from the media. Every outlet is trying to get you to hear, to sway us, to sway a generation is happening. So we got a choice to make. Are we gonna eat that meat? Drink that wine? Or say, no, you're gonna put yourself in a position to what God is doing. Some of you lost your job, downsized or transferred because you couldn't be in a position over there for where God wants you in position on this season. And it was painful over there. What if I told you you didn't lose, you just changed? It just looked like a loss. But now you're in position. You're amazing, incredible people. You're the brightest, you're the smartest. You understand, you're street smart, you're book smart, you're common sense smart, you're socially intelligent, you're emotionally over the top. Don't you think the enemy would love to come in and get you going a different direction and you wouldn't even know what's happening? It's time to come back. It's time to make the adjustment and come back. Come back what? I gotta get myself in a position. You gotta think outside of yourself. You gotta think of people in front of you. You gotta think about your children. You gotta think of your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your neighbors, people that have influence in your life and you have influence in theirs. Nobody's trying to build a castle. Nobody's trying to make a name for themselves. We're just trying to see that Jesus is glorified. God, the creator, gets glorified when he gets to create through you and us. And then we begin to steward and we start changing a world like it's never been changed before. I'm just looking for a few good men, just a few good women, a few good kids.
that will be able to stand up and say, I'm gonna believe God. Amen. I'm gonna believe God. It sounds simple. I'm gonna believe God. You gonna believe God when you lose your job? Yes. You gonna believe God when things change? Yeah. You gonna believe when, when you move cities or you move, he tells you to change uh, location, whatever he tells you to do, I'm gonna believe him. God's looking for a people that'll believe him in this day. And the only qualification and prerequisite that is needed is for you to believe him to take part in this great transfer of stuff that's happening. And nobody's going after stuff, we're going over power. We want the power of God, the influence of God, when they come into this church, they come into your life, they come into your business, they come into your home, they come into your office, and you sit down across from them and they say, what is it different about you? And you've got nothing but a testimony that says, here's where I was, here's where I am, and here's where God's taken me. This is what he's done in my life. You show them your scars. You show them your hurts and your pains. You show them where you've been, but you've got a trophy as a testimony because that's not where you stayed. Because the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And God will catapult you into the future, into the places that he has for you. He's just looking for you to believe him. It's no time to stay home. I appreciate the internet, and I appreciate Facebook Live, and I appreciate all the streaming and stuff, but here's what's happening. We become so streaming-minded, we've got disconnected from the body. And it's not about what you can get from home, it's what you can give when you come. Somebody needs what you have. What you create, God gives you to create, somebody needs it. Somebody needs to connect with you. Somebody needs to, to sense you and feel you. Pat couldn't do what he does on Friday mornings by the internet. Those guys need to touch him and feel him and, and see him that he cries with them. He laughs with them. He hurts with them. That's what the body of Christ is all about. We're a body of believers that join together, all diverse in all of our gifts and our ways. We're unique in our essence of who he is. We're not cloning people. We're not trying to build a big old group, just say we have a bunch of group. We're a bunch of individuals that come together, exercising the power and influence of God in our testimony, creating what God wants us to create, in courage and boldness, in faith, going forward, knowing what he's called us to do is greater than we can do by ourselves. That's what this is all about. That's the body of Christ. And every demonic influence and every Babylonian influence and everybody that's trying to sway us a different way, we have the truth. We have the way and we have the life. Would you stand with me? I could almost do the Pledge of Allegiance right now. I feel God. Do you feel what I'm talking about? Guys, I preach messages that are gonna help us week to week and day to day. I do, I do devotions on Monday night on Facebook Live. I do those, I wanna help us. I wanna encourage us, I wanna get, but today is a big picture look at what God is doing from an aerial perspective. And it involves you at your micro life. At the lowest levels of form of life, our life, it involves you. Our choices and our decisions. I gotta know, I gotta know, by the showing of your hand, I gotta know that you're in. I gotta know that you're moving forward. I gotta know that you're not gonna let things of the past stop you from where you're going forward. I gotta, I gotta know who's in here with me that says no matter how hard it gets and how bad it gets, I'm moving forward and I'm not going to go back. I'm not quitting, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not discouraged and move away. I'm not, I, sometimes my body don't feel like it, but I'm gonna get up and go anyway. Sometimes my emotionally I'm just drained, but I gotta get up and go anyway. 
Sometimes my mind's telling me to go another direction, but I can't because my heart's telling me to go this way. I gotta know, are you with me? Are we going forward? Are we gonna take part of the greatest transfer in the history of mankind? And we're gonna be in a position at a strength and not always in a position of weakness. Are we gonna be in a position of says, I will, instead of I don't know. I'm vacillating back and forth. We're going forward, Father, in Jesus' name. I bless your people. We declare and proclaim in this place today that the last season has been a tough one. We've lost some things we probably didn't know how to even maintain and keep. You purged us out of some stuff. We had questions and we questioned and we questioned and we didn't come up with any answers. But from this day forward, we're moving on. We're going forward, we're going in strength, we're going in faith, we're going in believing. And God, you're gonna raise up a supernatural power of, of, of a body that will not take no for an answer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you all, we'll see you Wednesday night.